What specifically would you do that you aren't currently able to because your health condition is holding you back? Welcome to Balance Health Now podcast. I'm your certified functional nutrition health coach and your host, Sydney Torres. My passion is helping women balance their hormones naturally and improve gut function. Being a health detective, finding the underlining root causes. My other passion is speaking to other health and wellness warriors who share the same vision, wellness for all. We chat all things A to Z on holistic health and wellness, providing holistic and science-based solutions to help you reclaim your health so you can live, feel, and transform into the best version of you. If you don't have your health, then what do you have? I release new episodes every Wednesday. Hope to see you inside. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. The content should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure any medical or psychological disorder. Hello and welcome. Today, I have a very special guest, Amy Jovita Murray. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, Sydney. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm excited you're here. And you know what? Today's topic is an amazing topic that I know you're just going to give us so much insight and so much wisdom about. Today, we're going to be talking about conceiving conceiving naturally through the lens of our menstruation cycle. But before we get into the juicy stuff, I just wanted to share um, who you are and what you do. You are a fertility and educator. You're a fertility coach and educator. You're a wife, you're a mom, and you're bilingual. Uh, You speak German and English, and you've had your own struggles when it came to um, infertility. So I just want to hear more about you and how you got to where you are today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. So, so yeah, um, to try, I'll try to keep this short here. Um, basically, um, so I came to fertility awareness, like th- to the fertility awareness method for birth control initially, um, after coming off the pill. And um, then when we switched to, okay, like we want to get pregnant, we just like switched up the days when we were having unprotected intercourse and it just ha- happened. The first try, first cycle, everything was perfect, beautiful pregnancy. Um, and then when our first was about 18 months, we, um, started trying again, it was like a long conversation. Like, should we do this? And like, you know, the pregnancy was, I mean, it was, it was rough in the sense that like I had morning sickness and things like that, but it was like other, like beautifully healthy, like X, Y, Z. Um, so we started trying again when she was about 18 months and I was charting my cycles through postpartum, um, you know, watching. Um, so with fertility awareness, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, I was watching all my signs. Um, I was like tracking my cycle. And just from looking at my charts, at my menstrual cycle charts, I knew there was no possible way on earth that I was getting pregnant with the way my cycles looked. Um, and we're so conditioned like by society to think like, you know, you're, you have unprotected intercourse, you're going to get pregnant, like just like that. And, um, that's kind of the attitude I went into this with, like the first time it just happened, it, it happened and everything went, went beautifully. Um, and I'm going to get pregnant. Like as soon as we started trying, we're just going to get pregnant. And we didn't, <laughs> which was no surprise to me logically, 
but emotionally it was like whoa like so we we had intercourse on a fertile day and like we we didn't get pregnant like like what's going on so by the third month of trying um I ended up having a chemical pregnancy which is pretty much just a really early miscarriage so so I think it's defined as a miscarriage um before five weeks and so since I was tracking my cycle and I knew when I had ovulated um I had took taken a really early pregnancy test um I can't remember how early, but it was like something like nine or 10 days um, past ovulation. Um, and, or maybe it was 12, I can't remember. But anyway, so I got my very, very, very faintly positive pregnancy test, but it was definitely positive and I definitely felt pregnant. And the next day I got my period. And so this was like the, um, like for uh, first, like the three months leading up to this, like, oh my goodness, what's happening? Like, why am I not getting pregnant in the first place? And then this, okay, so I got pregnant, but we lost the baby after like four weeks and like five days. And like, so what's going on? Um, okay, so I'm gonna take a deep breath here. So that I feel like is what gave me a little taste, like a little, just a little window into what infertility looks like or can look like and feels like and um even before that point i had been working with clients who have who had been trying to conceive for many months many years many cycles and i i feel like i was able to support them through that obviously like i you know have the, the knowledge and to you know what to do to improve the menstrual cycle um but just like going through um like the miscarriage itself was a very different experience um and so after that, we decided to take three months off from trying or like anyways, time off. It ended up being three months um, because I was like, I cannot, I cannot, if I know that we had intercourse on the first half day and I'm potentially pregnant, um, like I'll be like taking a preg pregnancy test, you know, as soon as that, that time rolls around, like every day. And I just, I, I couldn't mentally do that. So we took some time off um, from that. And during those three months, I basically took myself through my own protocol. So like, what do I tell my clients when they're trying to conceive to optimize their menstrual cycles? My cycles look like crap. Like what, like, what do I tell my clients to do? Um, so basically I took myself through this protocol and um, it included many diet and lifestyle changes because nobody's perfect. Um, and then also some targeted supplementation. And by the end of three months, I had the healthiest cycle I had ever had since coming off the pill. And we did conceive in that cycle. And now we have two beautiful girls. So that was a very long-winded story. <laughs> I did not keep it brief. Um, but so this is kind of um, what just really um, lit that passion even more to help women get pregnant naturally. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just want to say, Amy, thank you so much just for being open, first of all, and just sharing your story, because, you know, I going through that time, I know it was probably very challenging for not only yourself, but for you and your husband. But now you are able to help so many beautiful women. You're, you're there to educate them. You're there to help them and guide them to have that positive pre pregnancy test, which I think it's just so great in itself, but let's, let's kind of like lay the foundation. Um, you said like optimizing the menstruation. If, if we could just kind of like start at like the basics of like what menstruation is and just kind of like just build that little foundation. And then we'll just kind of like build on top of that. Awesome. Yeah. 
So, so the menstrual cycle, um, I, I hear it often where um, women will use um, cycle interchangeably, like with their period or their, like their whole menstrual cycle. Um, so when I say um, like menstrual cycle, I'm referring to like the whole thing, like the whole 24 to like 35 um, days and not just like the days of bleeding. So just to, to lay the foundation there. Um, so your menstrual cycle starts with your first day of bleeding and lasts until the day before your next period. So um, in a healthy cycle, we're looking at anywhere between like 24 to 35 days. Um, and then there are other markers like in a healthy menstrual cycle that we'll look at. Um, but I wanted to briefly explain like the hormonal things that go on, um, because these are these are things that I was not taught in um high school or like any other type of education setting. Um, and I had to learn it from books and from others and um, like seeking this knowledge out on my own. So at the beginning of the cycle, like after your period is over, um, your brain sends follicle stimulating hormone to the ovaries and the ovaries in turn then produce estrogen. So the follicle stimulating hormone um, stimulates a follicle to grow um, around the tiny little egg cell in the ovary. And the follicle in the ovary is what produces estrogen. <clears throat> and so estrogen has many different roles in the body. It has um, functions like outside of reproduction as well. Um, but as far as reproduction goes, estrogen stimulates the cervix, which is the, like, if this is like the top portion of the uterus, the cervix is kind of the lower third. If you're watching this on video, you saw my lovely hand demonstrations. I love using my hands to talk. Um, and so it stimulates your cervix to produce cervical mucus. Um, I wish I had my demo stuff here. It's always where I'm not. So anyways, cervical mucus can look um, like creamy white hand lotion, or um, it can be sticky and pasty like toothpaste, or it can be really clear and stretchy like raw egg whites. Um, and so this is basically your sign that you're in your fertile window. <clears throat> the other thing that estrogen does is it stimulates your um, endometrial lining to proliferate. So like the endometrial lining is the innermost layer of your uterus. And this is the layer that you then would shed during uh, menstruation. Um, so estrogen, estrogen is like known for proliferate for growing things and so it, it grows the endometrial lining it stimulates the cervix to produce the cervical mucus and um, as estrogen levels rise and rise and rise when they reach a peak point that is when the brain sends luteinizing hormone to the ovaries and this is what triggers ovulation um, so this is like in a in a healthy normal cycle the surge of luteinizing hormone which you can test in urine um, as well you can do the ovulation predictor kits um, for that, um, like just to, like to test for that. Um, and ideally that then triggers ovulation. If you have, um, other like health conditions like PCOS, for instance, um, the LH tests, the luteinizing hormone tests aren't really reliable because you typically have an elevated, um, uh, luteinizing hormone level anyways. And so those tests aren't like always accurate. So you can't just like pee on a stick and say, oh, I got a positive OPK today. And um, it might not, like if you have um, PCOS, it might not like actually mean anything. Um, but so in a healthy cycle, that's what we see. So then after ovulation, um, estrogen dips down a little bit. So it's, it's not as low as it was um, after your period, but it's a little bit lower than it was just before you ovulated. And then progesterone takes over. So progesterone is essentially the antagonist. So estrogen and progesterone need to be in a certain balance um, between each other. 
and progesterone counters some of those effects that estrogen has. Um, and this goes again for functions outside of reproduction. Um, but within reproduction, progesterone causes the endometrial lining to um, mature and um, uh, secrete nu nutrients for a potential fertilized egg to um, live off and then also implant. So, um, and progesterone is also produced in the ovary. So the follicle that was containing the little egg cell after ovulation, the um, egg is released into the uterine cavity. It's um, swept up by the, the cilia, which by the, sorry, by the fimbriae. <laughs> um, they are the finger-like pro projections that come off of the fallopian tube. So then when the egg is in the fallopian tube, fertilization would happen. Um, but the follicle that the egg was inside of it remains in the ovary and it turns into the corpus luteum. So the corpus luteum is then, it's in the ovary and that's what produces the progesterone. And so you need a certain, like a, um, you need enough progesterone essentially to, um, for a pregnancy to be sustained. Um, you also need enough progesterone to not have PMS or period pain, or like there's a bunch of other cycle irregularity things that are, um, that essentially their root cause is, low progesterone, or at least an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone. Um, let me see, there was one other thing that I wanted to say about that. I lost my train of thought. So this, <laughs> so essentially, um, that is like the overview of like menstruation, your pre-ovulatory phase, then during ovulation, um, we see the cervical mucus after ovulation, cervical mucus dries up and progesterone takes over and progesterone is also important um, to um, maintain the pregnancy. So when, okay, so let's kind of like talk about if somebody is having a really difficult time in conceiving, where would a good starting place be? Would it be, um, would it be their diet? Would it be looking at their cervical? Cool mucus, um, just kind of like take us down that path. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, um, if you're like brand new to this, and the information you heard was like like groundbreaking, which it was for me when I when I heard it, and I was 22, so like no no matter your age and whatever, um, if this is new information, um, basically my best tip would be to start um tracking your cycle, but with more than just your average period tracking app. So, um, I mean, even tracking your period is great. So if you've already been doing that or, you know, in some form, that's amazing. Um, but there are, are, as you've heard, a lot more things to your menstrual cycle than just um, the days of bleeding. And so um, whether you do that on paper, um, I have a like a free paper chart um, I can share, or there's an app um, that I recommend um, to clients all the time. It is a paid app, but I, I feel like it's, so it's like paper charts or the app. Um, and you can start tracking your signs of fertility there. So you can start tracking your period and then you can track when you see the cervical mucus. Um, there are different ways of checking for cervical mucus. I recommend the external um, checking method where you take your toilet paper flat and then you wipe from front to back across like across the opening of the vagina, across the perineum, and then look, is there any cervical mucus on the tissue? You can pick it up, you can stretch it, finger test it. Um, so that would be something to look at. Um, and the other thing about charting your cycle, so that basically my, my first step <laughs> entails a lot of things. <laughs> so charting your menstrual cycle properly um, with 
basically a symptothermal method. So the symto aspect is the cervical mucus and the thermal aspect is the basal body temperature. So what our basal body temperature tells us, and kind of how I was saying the cervical mucus leads up to ovulation, you'll notice it in your fertile window, it leads up to ovulation. Your basal body temperature confirms that you ovulated in retrospect, which is like, why, why would I like, it's already done and over with, like, what, why would I need to know this? But it's really helpful um, especially if you're, if you're struggling to conceive, like, are you like, are you even ovulating? Because you can bleed, you can have an inovulatory bleed without actually having ovulated. And so determining if you ovulate and also when you, like, if you ovulate earlier in the cycle, later in the cycle, um, how long your post ovulatory phase is, do you have enough of the progesterone that we talked about? That is really, really crucial. And, um, taking your basal body temperature gives us a window, um, into into this like hormone profile do you want um more on how to take your basal body temperature or do you want me to move yeah on? yeah if you could um if you could just you know give us insight on that that would be amazing yes so to like a true basal body temperature is taken in the morning after a minimum of five hours of consecutive sleep which i'll get to in a minute <laughs> and um you want to you can take your basal body basal body temperature orally, like sticking the thermometer in your mouth, axillary, putting it in your arm or vaginally inserting it into your vagina. And what I recommend is leaving your thermometer in place for 10 minutes before actually turning it on, which will give you the most accurate and stable temperature reading. Um, and you can buy a BBT, a basal body thermometer for as little as $10 or as much as like $100, like depending on how techy you want to get there. Um, I have, I think I have a link on my website to like some recommendations um, that I update periodically. And they're just like links like to um, to the basal body thermometers. Um, what I wanted to say about the five hours of con consecutive sleep <laughs> is that I'm a mom. <laughs> my kids are almost two and four and a half and they don't sleep through the night. My oldest does usually, but not all the time. Um, and so there are definitely strategies that we can like work around. Um, like if you're not getting the sleep or say you get up to pee like every morning at three o'clock, like what do you do? So that's kind of what um, I help my clients like hone in on. And like, again, the the general gist is like you take this temperature, but then like, how does that work in like your actual life sometimes looks a little different from one person to the next. Yeah, I could just, you know, like there's so many different myths out there about just about like women's reproductive health. Like you said earlier, they don't teach this in sex ed. And it's like we get to that point where we want to start a family and it's just like there's so much misinformation. And that's why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation to mm -hmm. kind of like bust down those myths because I know when I was um, wanting to start my family, there was just so many misconceptions because I remember before what I know now is I thought that a period meant I was ovulating and that's, that's not always the case. So I, I had to too educate myself, like reading a lot of books and I could just recall like, why am I not getting pregnant? It's just like trying and trying. And I actually made it into something that wasn't fun. And I think when anybody's trying to, a couple is 
wanting to conceive, it should be something fun and it shouldn't be like, oh, it's a job. It's that, look at my calendar and let's go. So I'm just glad that you're able to give like tips and just share your life experience to kind of like help that, um, kind of like make it easier for somebody that's on their journey. But I kind of want to talk about what are some of the best days to conceive? Let's kind of like break down that myth because I know that I believe like, oh, I could get pregnant any time of the month, but it's not always, it's, it's not that way. So um, yeah, just, just take us um, through that. Yes. Thank you for like sharing that experience that, that you had too, because I find that, that that is the path so many women take because there's so little education about this until like you get to that point and then you have to seek it out yourself. Um, so like this is um, like you might want to write this down <laughs> somewhere if you're listening, like you're only fertile for six days out of each menstrual cycle. So the entire time from like the first day of bleeding to the next day to, to, um, to the day before you start your next period, there is only a six day window that you can actually get pregnant. And this includes the day of ovulation and the five days prior to ovulation. So this is where I find a lot of couples falling into um, like some, some of these like common myths, like you ovulate on day 14. So then you have intercourse on day 14, which is completely irrelevant. Like what if day 14 is like, whatever, um, what is, or like women say, oh, I have like short cycles. So like, I must ovulate like, you know, I mean, Typically in a short cycle, you do ovulate earlier than in a longer cycle, but there's like, again, whole can of worms that we can get into. Um, so essentially what you want to be paying attention to when you're trying to conceive is your cervical mucus. And what I like to say to my clients is all cervical mucus is fertile, or at least all cervical mucus is potentially fertile. So in some cycles, you might have more than five or six days of cervical mucus. So for instance, if you have PCOS or like longer irregular cycles, you might have um, a patch of cervical mucus early on in your cycle. And then again, like a week later, and then two weeks later, and you might still not have ovulated. So just because, because you saw the cervical mucus does not mean that those were all fertile days because ovulation ended up happening on cycle day 54. If you have PCOS, you know what I mean? Um, but like, it's, whenever you do see mucus, that is like the sign, okay, this is potentially fertile. Um, and as I was alluding to with the basal body temperature, you won't be able to know for sure that you have ovulated until your basal body temperature rises. So that's what I didn't say about the BBT is that it is um, before ovulation, it is in a range of lower temperatures. And after ovulation, the progesterone raises your, your body temperature slightly. And so the basal body thermometer is able to pick up on that and then it rises. So after you have several high temperatures, that is when um, you can say, okay, I've ovulated. And from now on out, I'm infertile. Um, and I think this goes into what you were saying with it's a job. Um, I, and this, this conversation is very individual, like for every couple, like how they want to handle this. Um, but essentially, whenever you've been trying for so long and now it does feel like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing cervical mucus, like I'm fertile, like this is, you know, what we have to do. Um, I really try to emphasize, okay, when you know you're not fertile, like even like after you've confirmed ovulation or like when you're not seeing any cervical mucus, have fun sex. <laughs> like, because you know, it's not for reproduction. It's 
it's just for fun. And sometimes that can take um, a little bit of this, it's a job out of it. Like, so again, like different couples handle this um, differently, but sometimes I feel like that's very helpful to like set this aside from like, okay, we have to do this to like try to conceive because we've been trying for 10 years. And like, this is just for us connecting and for us time. Yeah. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Just make it, like you said, make it like the fun sex, you know, it's kind of just forget about everything and just, you know, really enjoy that intimacy with your partner, I think is it's vital. So vital. So speaking of partners, let's talk about men and what their roles are. Let's talk about their sperm health. What um, what are some ways that a man could um, help, you know, with the fertility? I love, love, love that you asked this question <laughs> because so often it's like put all on the women. Like what's wrong with you? Are you like, do you have like any cycle irregularities? They'll put you through IVF and like all the things when in fact, like your partner may have low sperm count or like there is something else going on. So, so it's super important. Men are 50% of the equation after all. Um, so there's that. Yes, we carry the baby, but 50% of the genetic material comes from um, the dad. So there are several ways how men can basically Im improve their sperm health. Um, some of it is um, diet stuff and other pieces are the lifestyle stuff. So um, we didn't get to talk about um, like the diet lifestyle piece for, for women and the menstrual cycle, but it is, um, it is very similar. And just some, other, some key nutrients are different for men and then women, because men need a lot more zinc um, too, because that's, um, a vital part of sperm production, they need more vitamin A. And typically, like all the, the foods where you find these nutrients that are so, so um, great for fertility are um, animal foods. And so things like, so a lot of women will hate me for this, but like eating liver. <laughs> I'm a huge advocate for um, eating liver, both for men and women, because it is so nutrient dense and provides the right um, form of the nutrients. So for instance, it doesn't contain folic acid, like in your prenatal, it contains folate, which is the form of, of like, which is the, the nutrient that your body recognizes and knows what to do with. Um, and it contains um, vitamin A in the form of retinol, which is the bioavailable form rather than a synthetically uh, manufactured beta carotene. And so <clears throat> this is like for, for men and women alike, um, like eating nutrient dense uh, foods and especially the animal foods, which are the most nutrient dense, um, is very helpful for fertility. And then some ways men specifically can um, improve their, um, their health is um, so for instance, the, the testicles need to be, um, a, a few degrees cooler than body temperature, which is why they're outside of the body, um, in, um, in the scrotum. And so things like wearing tight underwear or taking hot baths or cycling or things like that can, um, basically disrupt that natural process. Um, and so just making sure you're wearing loose fitting underwear. Like if you're, if you do cycle, like limited to, um, a shorter amount of time, um, so yeah, that would be my, uh, my advice for the guys. Yeah. And that's, and like you said, that's kind of like a piece that is, I think kind of missing because I think everything is always put on the woman. So yeah, you're, you're right. Like, Hey, you're the other 50%, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I just think when it comes to any, any health 
journey, whether it's your, whether you're suffering from like a gut infection all the way to infertility, you want to conceive, like we cannot stress the nutrient part. It's just, it's so important just to be eating the kind of the, the right foods because you just want to make sure that you create that healthy environment because you're going to be growing a, a little human in you. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of, a lot of energy. So you just want to make sure that everything, your levels are where they need to be because the baby as it grows is going to be taking those nutrients and you're going to end up depleted. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if somebody is trying to conceive, like, do you suggest they wait? Um, Cause I know everybody kind of wants to conceive, like I want it now, but for those kind of like thinking ahead, would you recommend to give yourself maybe a year, like in the perfect world, maybe a year just to clean up your diet, you know, um, like internally and just getting on, um, that body awareness, being able to feel comfortable checking like your cervical mucus and, you know, the BBT, like, I just kind of want to hear just out of curiosity, what you recommend for that. I love this so much. And I love that you threw out the year um, timeline there. Um, So yes, I totally get it that when you're ready for babies, you're ready for babies. And I was like lucky enough that I had come off the pill. um, It was about two years after coming off the pill. And then when we decided that we were ready for for children. So like if you if you still are on any kind of hormonal contraceptives, like do you think about what's your timeline um, to children? If it's like within the next three to five years, consider coming off of hormonal birth control and um, find an alternate like fertility awareness to um, avoid pregnancy naturally until you're ready to conceive. Um, Other things to like, basically the the timeline, I suggest at least three months, but ideally one to like three years, like depending on how much time you have. And this is um, really focusing, like you said, on those, those nutrient stores, building up those nutrient stores, because once you're pregnant, it's like, it's, it's beautiful, but the baby's not going to come from Cheerios. Like it's going to have to have some, like, <laughs> some, like <laughs> some substantial nutrition. Like if, when you think about it, like each cell is, um, you know, a mixture of like fats and pro- like, um, fats and proteins and, um, like the amino acids that make up like our entire body, like they need to come from somewhere and amino acids are found in protein and not necessarily in Cheerios. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> So sorry to be throwing Cheerios under the bus here. Um, so yeah, essentially based. And so a lot of the, the recommendations that, that I make are based on Lily Nichols work. So if you want to link that in the um, show notes somewhere, she has a book um, that's called Real Food for Pregnancy. Um, and she also has like a website and Instagram with like tons of free information as well. Um, so I just want to give that disclaimer. That's not like, um, like, Yes, it's my clinical experience, but it's also that's what I base my um, experience um, or my my advice off of. Um, so focusing on eating real food, aka a balance of um, protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Um, trying to get um, some animal protein into your diet. Um, if you are like vegan or vegetarian, this can be like hard to hear. Um, but basically, when we when we look when we look at studies that compare or that find like this nutrient is really important for like pregnancy or for like this type of um, development in, in utero. Um, like we find these foods in these nutrients in animal um, foods. Um, so that's why I bring that up. Um, 
as far as other things to prepare to to do to prepare yourself for pregnancy um if you have that time um also it takes um it, it takes about three months for spermatogenesis so the, the the guys like if for instance if your guy eats like crap and um now like you want to uh, improve your chances to conceive and now he starts eating like all the healthy foods animal foods foods healthy fats and the saturated fats um and then it's going to take about three months to fully see those results like if he did a semen analysis today eating crap and, and again in three months like eating, eating all the good stuff like that's how long it would take to um, actually show up and similarly in the menstrual cycle it it can take even up to eight months because of um, the way that the egg cells are recruited um, like they're um, yeah there's a process how the egg cells like each month are recruited and um, it can take up to eight months to to see to, to fully see the effects of any diet and lifestyle changes um, that you make so um, definitely focusing on um, getting enough protein um, and getting enough sleep. Sleep is amazing. <laughs> I feel like I don't talk about this a lot right now because I'm so sleep, de sleep deprived. Um, so depending on what stage of life you're in, this may or may not be easier to do. Um, and then also like one of my big things, which we, I don't think we have time for today, but is xenoestrogens, um, basically reducing toxins and um, things that like act like estrogen in your body, it's, you know, estrogens um, out of your home, your personal care, makeup products and um, things like that. So, but anyways, I'll hand it over to you after this big can of worms that I opened. Yeah, I just, Amy, um, God, you are just amazing. And I just want to, <laughs> thank you. I, I just want to thank you so much, but I have one final question for you. And that question is, what would you tell somebody they can do for their health? If it, if it was just like one thing you could say, what would that thing be? Oh, do I have to choose just one? Yeah, just one. <laughs> Eat protein would be um would be would be my thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That protein is definitely, definitely important. Like you said earlier, builds those uh amino acids and everything. So um if somebody is listening right now and they're like, you know what, I really need help, where can they find you? Thank you so much for this opportunity. So I have a website, amyjovidamurray.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook um, under the same like handle at um, amyjovidamurray. And um, yeah, um, I would love to connect. Um, I, I would love to connect and um, see uh, how I can be of service. And um, I am going to put all of Amy's links, contact information in the show notes. So if you're driving or you're listening to this, like while you're on your workout, don't worry, just check out the show notes. And again, thank you so much. I, I truly, truly appreciate you. And I just, you're making the world a better place. And I just think that's amazing. Thank you so much, Sydney. You're about to make me cry. <laughs> thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Wait, don't go just yet. If you like today's episode, please leave a review. This way, the message of health and wellness can get shared with others. If you ever want to hang out, you can find me on Instagram at Balance Health Now. Until next time, stay well.